As I've mentioned before in the previous episode, I am on social media and the best place where to catch me and you want to interact with me would be Locals.com and Patreon. And this is from Mrs. K several days ago, but here on the weekend, I want to want to bring you up to speed on a couple of things. Uh, Wendy, big hug to you. Thank you very much. I just saw this one. I guess it happened yesterday in Oklahoma. It just seems like pure sabotage to our infrastructure. We need to be more vigilant. See something, say something. Well, I see something. I see something very stinky that happened in 2020. And I can say a whole bunch about it, but not on here. So I do on our other show, BCP Unfiltered. And this is where uh, I, that's, I, I host that show on Locals.com, on Patreon, and over at uh, on Spotify. And that is where the show is hosted, and that's where Mrs. K posted this. What is she? Uh, what is Mrs. K referring to? Well, earlier this uh, week, we had emergencies crews responding to another trail derailment in Oklahoma. The officials, of course, said the incident had been contained and that there were not any hazardous material. Then, <laughs> Mrs. K. Here we go again, folks. Again, right by the water. What's the real game here? And then, of course, uh, this one was in West Virginia uh, a few days ago. Multiple agencies are on the scene to the site of a train derailment in Sandstone, West Virginia, after a train derailed, causing three train workers to be injured. The accidents and at least one locomotive and one fuel tank into the New River, but all 109 train cars were empty officials say rock slide was the cause of the derailment. Why were there 109 train cars empty? What is really going on here? Why would they transport 109 rail cars? Now, they could have dropped some stuff off along the way, but how I understand how the infrastructure and logistics work is you try to keep as many of those trains full and transporting things as they move uh, across the nation. Uh, so something just doesn't smell right with this news. Okay, folks. Also, let's get into a little bit more of the financial news um, following up on what I did on the live stream this morning. What do you think is going on here, folks? I haven't reported on it, but uh, we have lately, there's been a little bit of cessation, it seems like, but what about all those food processing fires? Now there's other things attacking our food supply. Oh no, this avian flu. We have to start uh, continue killing a whole bunch of birds and fowl. New rules and laws regarding private ownership of livestock and animals and all of these derailments nothing to hear see, nothing to see here folks move along move along let's get into some other news right now welcome to open source news don't forget to like share subscribe and turn on the notifications bell so you don't miss out on real news yes i have a degree in economics but don't call me an economist i i consider myself a banker i've been in banking Many uh, facets of it, management of a branch, been obviously retail banking, and have been an investment banker. Now, what I do want to show you is an economist that has nailed it. Uh, if you're not familiar with Steph, check this out. Uh, Steph and her fo folks over at Macro Mavens uh, called out the great bubble busting in the housing market and how it would affect the entire economy back before it happened in 2007. 
She was with Tucker Carlson, and this is what she had to say about the upcoming crash. Reminiscent of 2008. So can you just give us your coolest, most attached assessment of what we're seeing? This seems like a big deal, is it? What we're facing right now is really serious. I mean, we are on the brink of a 2008-style financial crisis, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. She's not being hyperbolic. She only makes one mistake in her assessment, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, this next statement she makes is a huge clue. Look, you don't raise rates in record fashion on an economy toting record leverage at maximum speculation and expect no consequence. Of course they expected these consequences. It's all by design. It's all by design. It's not that they did this unknowingly. They did this knowingly so their friends and the elitists and the people in the inner circle can make tons of money for a short window of time before they decimate the rest of us. I mean, this was clearly going to happen, and now we're seeing the weak links in the chain break just like they did in 2008. Um, and there'll be a lot more of those. And this is where uh, Steph Bomboy makes uh, a mistake. And, and frankly, I think, you know, th this is the unintended consequence of the Fed's monetary policy yes. uh, layered with really bad fiscal policy on top of it. Great analysis. But she said something at the very beginning of this clip, and she's wrong about this. And, and frankly, I think, you know, th this is the unintended consequence. Now, I appreciate the insights from Steph Fomboy, but I'm going to have to disagree with her wholeheartedly on this. These aren't, aren't unintended consequences. These are intended consequences. It's by design. It's by design, folks. All you have to do is look at their repeated actions. If these things happen every once in a while, okay. But when it's data point after data point after data point and you start to put them together and look at it, then you come to the conclusion that you have to, that these aren't accidents. This is all by design. Okay, folks, uh, some more lunacy. When you thought you had seen everything, totally unbelievable. And a screenshot from a report yesterday on Fox News. If you steal property, you must report this in your income in the year you steal it, unless in the same year you return it to its rightful owner. That's right. I covered this last year too, uh, some of the wacky stuff that can be found as tax season comes about. But this is where it comes from. Uh, the IRS in their illegal activities portion says... Income from illegal activities, such as money from dealing illegal drugs, must be included in your income on Schedule 1. If you're, uh, if from your self-employment activity, because dealing drugs is self-employment. Uh, stolen property. If you steal property, you must report its fair market value in your income in the year you steal it, unless you return it to its rightful owner in the same year. Once again, either the IRS is corrupt, which they are, they want their money, regardless of how you get it, they do, which explains why they know that there are multiple multiple people working under the same social security number, many of them illegal, under the table, you know, well, not on the table, they're working illegally with someone else's social security number, and they're paying, you know, the minimum taxes over to the IRS. The IRS is fine with this because they just want their money. It's called 
extortion is called a shakedown. I spoke yesterday about how there was uh, false reporting that President Trump to win in 2024 would need support of women because women don't like him. Well, here is the latest report uh, when it comes to the GOP side of things. Former President Donald Trump is being reported today at Just the News has an advantage over his possible primary opportunities when it comes to Republican women. This is according to a new Fox News poll. According to the poll, 40% of Republican women voters would choose to support Trump over former South Carolina governor and UN ambassador Nikki Haley. Well, I guess those women must be misogynists. Oh, they are GOP women. I guess it must be brainwashed by the patriarchy. The poll shows that 20% of GOP women would support DeSantis, who of course has not put his name in the hat yet, and 9% would prefer, uh, support Haley. So even though Haley is a woman, they still would support a man, President Trump, and another man who hasn't even put his name in the hat. Maybe, just maybe, women don't vote by Y and X chromosomes. Maybe women are smart and vote by their principles, especially if they are on the le- uh, the right side of the aisle. And guess what? Leftist women do too. They vote their principles. It's just that those principles are very, very wacky and leftist and perhaps shouldn't even be called principles. But the point is this. They try to make it a gender issue, but women on the Democrat side wholly rejected Kamala Harris in the Democratic Party primaries of 2020, and they are rejecting Nikki Haley on the Republican side this go-around. Maybe they should just stop trying to put people in little boxes having to do with gender, race, and orientation. Maybe that's just me. Okay, folks, here we go. We've got Mexican President AMLO, Lopez Obrador, threatening to meddle in U.S. elections over the issue of fentanyl. This is crazy. Bill, good morning to you. Look, it is well-established fact that fentanyl is mass-produced in Mexico by Mexican drug cartels in their labs using chemical precursors which are imported from China. China. But Mexico's president says they got nothing to do with that, and it's all the U.S.'s problem. Here's what he said in part. Quote, take a look. Here, we do not produce fentanyl, and we do not have the consumption of fentanyl. Why don't they, the United States, take care of their problem of social decay? Well, fentanyl... So let let me put this uh, in perspective, this whole meddling by the Mexican president in U.S. elections. What do we see from 2016 onward? Oh, Russian collusion. President Trump colluded with Russia to become president in 2016. Are we going to hear any outrage from the Democrats that an international leader, a world leader, or maybe not a leader of the world, but a leader in the world, a head of state is openly calling for getting involved in U.S. elections. Will there be any breathings and railings by the leftists against their fellow socialist Marxist president south of our border? All right, let's get into this Fox News article and get into the details. Mexican President Andres Manuel 
López Obrador, A-M-L-O, that's why he's called AMLO, threatened to launch an information campaign in the U.S. against Republicans. Oh, it's against Republicans, telling Mexicans and Hispanics not to vote for them unless U.S. lawmakers change their treatment of Mexico. An apparent threat of election interference by the head of state in response to U.S. calls for actions against cartels smuggling fentanyl across the border. Starting today, we are going to start an information campaign for Mexicans who live and work in the United States and for all Hispanics to inform them of what we are doing in Mexico and how this initiative by the Republicans, in addition, in addition to being irresponsible, is an offense against the people of Mexico, a lack of respect for our independence, our sovereignty. The Mexican president, with or without any sense of irony, says that it is a lack of respect of their independence and sovereignty. So he's going to disrespect American independence and sovereignty and meddle in the upcoming elections. And by meddling, we mean that he is going to have an information campaign against Republicans. The article goes on to say, if they do not change their attitude and think they are going to use Mexico for their propaganda, electoral, and political purposes, we are going to call for them not to vote for that party because it is interventionist, as he intervenes in American politics, inhumane, hypocritical, and corrupt. That's why I learned when it comes to judging people, when you point a finger at someone, you've got three pointed back at you. Those three pointed back at you, AMLO, are interventionist, hypocritical, and corrupt. We're not even going to get into inhumane. He later added that he would be insisting that not one vote goes to Republicans from Mexicans and Hispanics. As if Mexicans and Hispanics abroad are listening to Mexico. Hey AMLO, if your country is so great, why the hell are they fleeing Mexico to America? United States of America, because Mexico is actually the Republic of the United uh, States of Mexico. Now, folks, um, if you're new around here, I love Mexico. I have a home in Mexico. My wife is born and raised in Mexico, and I absolutely love Mexico. Not the Mexican government, not the Mexican cartels, but the great people of Mexico who, like our great brothers and sisters in Hong Kong and China and Taiwan, are the victims of Marxist tyranny. But it's ridiculous what he's saying, and he's calling for this because lawmakers on the GOP side are talking about military action and cracking down on the smuggling of fentanyl by the Mexican drug cartels. This week, Lindsey Graham called for the fury and might of the U.S. to be unleashed on Mexican drug cartels. Quote, we're going to unleash the fury and might of the United States against these cartels. We're going to destroy their business model and their lifestyle because our national security and the security of the United States as a whole depends on us taking decisive action. He intends to introduce legislation that would designate Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations and authorize the U.S. to use military force to go into Mexico and destroy the drug cartels. Not to invade Mexico, not to shoot Mexican airplanes down, but to destroy drug labs that are poisoning Americans. Now, AMLO, who's been very soft on the drug cartels, he's got to defend them and those actions. And once again, I don't want other countries coming in and bombing and taking military actions in our country. On that stance, of course, I understand. 
The difference is we share a border with Mexico, and Mexico is in bed with the Mexican government, that is, is in bed with the Mexican drug cartels, and they are waging war against us. They're doing it uh, through fentanyl, through trafficking and smuggling on our southern border with the blessing or the blind eye, take your pick, of Mexican President Socialist AMLO. Graham dismissed concerns about such a move damaging diplomatic relations with Mexico. How can you damage uh, diplomatic relations with Mexico when the Mexican president just said he's going to interfere in our elections? Okay, folks, uh, there's some Dan Cranshaw in that article, but we don't care about Dan now, do we? So, folks, we got uh, this video by Charlie Kirk. And I found it to be very, very interesting. It's Matt Gates and Steve Bannon talking about some missing information when it comes to the J6 committee. One thing I found interesting when we went through the files today, they are incredibly well organized. And as it relates to outgoing documents, they are almost completely complete. Uh, you can go through by name, you can pull uh, the, I pulled the Charlie Kirk file and I saw the way that the Turning Point organization was targeted and is actually still being unfairly targeted. But there was one file with no documents in it that I reviewed and it was the Steve Bannon file. No documents. There was the Steve Bannon (laughs) file. There's lots of things that I appreciate and admire about Steve Bannon and Matt Gates, who are working half American people. And Steve Bannon, uh, even though he's the target of a huge machine called the DOJ, he's, uh, he continues trucking on, and he does so with, <laughs> with a sense of humor. They've, they've taken it. It's waiting for me in federal prison for my four-month sentence, right? The warden will have it. I, 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 in a, I'm in sure a, justice has it. In a circumstance right. where they were so meticulous to have everything indexed yeah. and included, and in, in almost every case, you saw a letter and like clockwork, within 14 days, a subpoena that followed that letter, and nothing on the Bannon file. This is why the Democrats were so afraid of the GOP House, calling it partisan as their partisan antics are being exposed. That and, oh, I don't know, maybe some illegal activity like having spy dragnets and over uh, overstretching or doing more than they are legally and morally and ethically allowed to do in these wide dragnet searches, weaponizing not just the alphabet agencies like the FBI and the DOJ, but their friends and their connections in big business and big tech as they harass anyone in the Trump sphere. We, we, are, we are looking at the members and records, and I want to know how far they crossed the line when we exercise yeah. our subpoena power, because what I observed was that almost every week, this, the committee was sending out to Sprint, Verizon, T-Mobile, to Google Voice. Banks all over Some, the country. Hey, all of these phone numbers, I want all of their records. So what we're seeing is that, so even though we haven't gotten new footage from the folks over and the producers over at Fox News' Tucker Carlson, don't think that good things aren't happening when it comes to exposing the truth. 
obviously Gates is here talking about this uh, committee files, the J6 committee files that he's going into and uh, outlining. And uh, now we've got some stuff missing from Steve Bannon. We know the thing was partisan, but now it's going about to blow up. Now, if, uh, to be honest here, folks, if you don't already know the J6 committee wasn't a partisan job, I don't think any new information coming out is going to convince you otherwise. But it's still great to see that darkness get the disinfectant that is the light of day. And perhaps, perhaps this all sets the stage so that in 2025, January 20th, 2025, God willing, when President Trump comes back in, the groundwork is set for massive legal action against these folks. Don't forget that the legislators don't have any sort of prosecutorial authority against these this malfeasance, but a case is being built that hopefully we can see justice in a couple of years from now. Speaking of justice, let's talk about justice for our January 6th defendants. We've got some good news here, folks. If you missed um, my previous episode of BCP Unfiltered, make sure you go over to therealbcp.com and check it out. It's freely available there. Because of copyright issues and other things, I didn't cover it uh, on YouTube, but there was a song, Justice For All, that was released, uh, on YouTube, uh, released on YouTube and other places yesterday. It was President Trump making an appearance on a song called Justice For All, and it has Trump reciting the Pledge of Allegiance layered on top of the J6 prison choir singing the Star Spangled Banner and then chanting USA, USA at the end. It was recorded on a phone. And the song, which if you download on iTunes, is $1.29. They probably did it more than 99 cents so that the families can uh, of the imprisoned J6 uh, defendants can get that funds. Well, the good news is that it's number one, beating... Um, I can buy myself flowers by Miley Cyrus. Uh, so this is a uh, great news uh, for them. If you want to see it, just uh, Google uh, Justice for All or support the cause and actually buy the song. Now, we have a Gateway Pundit uh, showing their filing yesterday, their updated filing from March 8th and their request from... Kevin McCarthy, uh, which now there's a more extensive list of defendants filing an official request for the January 6th government footage. Now that we know that uh, Tucker Carlson is not going to show any more of it, uh, it should be released uh, forthwith. I mean, the, the list, I think, was 33 before when I covered this, but now they keep adding more J6 defendants and other folks in the media. It's now 68 requests along with Gateway Pundit to make that readily available to everyone. Tucker Carlson, Fox News, you had your chance. You've done nothing more with it. Great work done by Tucker Carlson on Monday. Let it be had by other outlets. And we've got, let's talk about the plight of these J6 defendants. Glad that money's being raised for them. Glad that there's a number one spot on uh, iTunes. Once again, that just shows a lot of people love Trump and want justice for the J6 DC gulag political prisoners. But it's being reported that Marjorie Taylor Greene and the conservative uh, in the House Oversight Committee and the GOP sent a letter to Mario Bowser, the mayor of DC, 
those of course, those two individuals, of course, are part of the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability. Uh, they want to be able to take a tour of the January 6th detainees and how they're being treated. I reported on this earlier that they want to do this, but now we have the letter has been received uh, by Mario Bowser. And we're getting more information about this letter that they want to see that they're... In a letter sent to Bowser, Green and Comer said that the reports they have received about the January 6th detainees in the city's jail paint a picture of despair, hopelessness, and severe abuse of justice. They requested a range of documents related to the January 6th detainees and full access to the facilities by March 23rd. The committee is concerned by reports that January 6th detainees are facing a unique form of mistreatment due to their politics and beliefs representing potential human rights abuses, including the fact that they can't even get Bibles. They can't get Bibles. They're not being given Bibles. That's uh, that's just basic. Green also contends that some, some of those incarcerated had been denied access to Bibles, suggesting such treatment was discrimination for their beliefs and constituted potential human rights abuses. I had to read two articles to get all the information because obviously uh, the Washington Post and the DCist and others are leftist leaning and just want to make Marjorie Taylor Greene seem like a bad person because she's looking into political prisoner abuse in America. So funny how the partisans operate. And guess what, folks? We're getting word that there is a J6 investigation and whistleblower tip portal. So that's good. Uh, The Committee on House Administration has launched this information intake portal to provide an avenue by which individuals with the knowledge of the events on January 6th and the select committee who wish to provide information to the committee regarding what transpired on January 6th may do so. So there's a way way you can go on here. There's uh, whistleblower support. You can go in and you can make arrangements to upload video, pictures, and other evidence of what was actually happening on January 6th. This is all good news, folks, for transparency. And we have a Rasmussen poll being uh, published that shows that two-thirds of Americans believe that the FBI has been weaponized so once again, this is not a partisan issue. This is, well, it is a partisan issue for the Democrats, but this is an American issue and people are realizing that they have been lied to. And I want to conclude with this bit of news because I mentioned it in my live stream this morning that there was a possible attempt uh, on the, the VP with someone with a gun. I mean, we saw this article. Uh, the U.S. Uh, Secret Service arrests a man with a gun as he attempted to enter the grounds of the vice president's residence in Northwest D.C., Uh, The updated information is pretty sparse, but this may be much ado about nothing. The U.S. uh, Secret Service arrested a man with a gun as he attempted to enter the grounds of the vice president's residence in Northwest D.C. on Friday. Uh, The man is Roderick Porter, who had authorization to be there. He reportedly had a gun uh, in his car at a vehicle checkpoint. He told the Secret Service he had it. He has a valid D.C. concealed carry permit, uh, but the gun was improperly registered. So he was arrested for unregistered firearm, unregistered ammo, carrying a pistol without a license and carrying a pistol in a prohibited area. So maybe there wasn't actually an attempt, just they flubbed up the paperwork in DC. Who knows? All I know is that DC is a mess, whether it's the capital or the local city and how they run things. And that's why I'm glad that Marjorie Taylor Greene, James Comer, and others are trying to show once again the plight of our political prisoners in the D.C. Gulag. 
Hope you're having a great weekend so far, folks. I'll have more reports for you. Please make sure that you share this video with your friends, family, neighbors, contacts on social media. Regardless of what platform you're on, you should have the ability to share this on social media. If you're on YouTube, make sure that you like and subscribe or that you follow if you're listening to this on a podcast format or watching this on Patreon. Remember, this show is available in video format, not just on YouTube, but on Patreon as well. And it's an audio format on all major podcast platforms, Apple, Google, etc. Also, please don't forget that we have a second YouTube channel, a sister YouTube channel called The BCP Reports. Matter of fact, Saturday, BCP Juniorette dropped the report about what the GOP and the Freedom Caucus is willing to do to play with Joe Biden on the debt ceiling. Make sure you don't miss that report. And we have our other show, BCP Unfiltered, previously mentioned. You can find that over on Locals.com by going to TheRealBCP.com or you can watch it on Patreon by going over to BCPExtras.com or you can just go to BCPPodcast.com and have access to it via Spotify and other podcast uh, formats and platforms. All right, folks, I'll have more reporting for you over the weekend. Hang tight. Much love. Big hug. Ciao. Goodbye. God bless.